I'm Joshua P. Warren, and this is the Speaking of Strange Report for February 23rd, 2017. It's sort of a special edition, really. Have you ever heard of Commander X? I've been reading his books for decades. This is some of the wildest stuff ever published, and it's supposedly all true nonfiction. Commander X is the pen name of a supposed government operative who has worked on the inside with the CIA, the NSA, the military at Area 51, you name it, and he is now a whistleblower. He now lives out of a suitcase and goes to great lengths to protect his identity, and he spills the beans on all the dark twisted government conspiracies, the New World Order, the Illuminati, brainwashing, super advanced top secret technology. He has seen the aliens and the reptilians in person. He knows how flying saucers work. I mean, you name it. His books are extremely well written, and for a guy like me, Reading a Commander X book makes me feel like a kid in a candy shop. It always has. Well, anyway, Commander X started publishing these controversial books in 1990, and the only person he could trust to publish this material was my good friend Timothy Green Beckley, a.k.a. Mr. UFO. He owns the Inner Light global communications publishing company. Uh, Tim lives in New York. And all these years, whenever I've seen Tim, I've put friendly pressure on him to tell me who Commander X is. I've tried everything. I've tried getting him drunk at a bar. Every time I've interviewed him on Speaking of Strange, I've said, okay, now's your chance, Tim. Get this off your chest finally tell the world who Commander X is, and he would never budge. He always had a twinkle in his eye, and I figured he would carry the secret to his grave. Well, listen to this. About a week ago, I received a package from Tim Beckley, and it contained a brand new book hot off the press called The Commander X Files identifying the real Commander X. I couldn't believe it. I thought, oh boy, time to put on a pot of fine Puerto Rican coffee, dim the lights, and dig into this one. And this book is definitely a whirlwind of a read. It not only starts with Tim Beckley telling us more about the identity of Commander X, but the whole book is filled with amazing Commander X content. It's so fascinating that I contacted Tim and said, My friend, will you please let me read at least one juicy chapter of this book on my podcast? He gave me permission. And so now, I'm going to read a chapter for you out of this new book that particularly struck me because it gives one of the most detailed and chilling overviews of what these aliens are, exactly what they look like, and what they have in store for us humans. So I'm about to read you chapter 2, called An Alien Overview. 
So here we go, chapter two from the new book called The Commander X Files, identifying the real Commander X, Alien Hunter. The most horrifying truth that ever confronts a researcher into UFOs and aliens is the realization that at a certain point, forces within the U.S. government capitulated to and at least to a certain degree joined forces with the aliens in their goal to dominate the earth. If you have read my earlier works, particularly The Ultimate Deception, then you know that the history of the collaboration of the reptilian gray aliens, which apparently hell from Zeta Reticuli 1 and 2, Orion, and other stellar locations, and the secret government dates back as far as 1933, although information on this early period is somewhat scanty. Why do the gray aliens seem to be in reptilian form? What dictated this form of evolution which is so different than humankind, the highest form of intelligence which is indigenous to this planet? Well, we can only speculate on this matter, but the well-known UFO and paranormal researcher Brad Steiger has commented, quote, In the late 1960s, I presented my hypothesis that the reason why the most frequently reported UFO knots resemble reptilian or amphibian humanoids may be because that is exactly what they are, highly evolved members of a serpentine or semi-aquatic species. A provocative theory is that the dinosaurs did not really vanish. They evolved into a humanoid creature that eventually ran its course or was destroyed in an Atlantis-type catastrophe, end quote. goes on to say, Steiger also says, quote, I had developed this hypothesis considerably, so I was delighted when I received word that Dale Russell and Ron Seekin of Canada's National Museum of Natural Sciences of Ottawa had fashioned a model of a humanoid dinosaur using Stenotcosaurus and Echolus as their inspiration. Stenotcosaurus, according to Russell, had a rather large brain and eyes with overlapping visual fields. The 90-pound dinosaur also walked on two legs, and it appears to have had a particularly opposable thumb on its three-clawed hand. The result of such scientific speculation was an astonishingly human-like creature that Russell terms a dinosaur, a dinosauroid, <laughs> dinosauroid says the creature stands four and a half feet tall, has a large domed head, green skin, and yellow reptilian eyes. It should probably have had ears, Russell conceded, but the effect would have made it appear too human. As it is, the dinosaur on display at Canada's National Museum of Natural Sciences almost exactly fits the descriptions of UFO knots provided by thousands of men and women throughout the planet who have reported close encounters, end quote. In all probability, the reptilian and gray races have been residents on Earth for many centuries, 
and some of these beings may in fact be native to earth it is not outside the realm of possibility that the greys are the original inhabitants of earth and we humans are descendants of space wandering nordic extraterrestrials but that is information to delve into some other time the insightful researcher who conceals his identity with the nom de plume Branton has done a good deal of investigation into the historical nature of the reptilians and their early contact with the human race on earth and has detailed it in his research paper titled the cult of the serpent remember that the gray aliens commonly described in UFO abduction cases are one race classified within the reptilians which Branton describes the possibility that an ancient reptilian saurian race may exist below the surface of this planet is not an idea which is relatively new this infernal yet physical race has been referred to in spiritual and historical records which date back to the beginning of time ancient Hebrew history for instance records that our human ancestors were not the only intelligent free will beings who inhabited the ancient world Genesis chapter 3 refers to the serpent that's in quotes which according to many ancient Hebrew scholars was identified with a hominid or biped reptilian being the ancient Hebrew word for serpent is Nakash which according to Strong's comprehensive and other biblical concordances contained in itself the meanings reptile enchantment hissing whisper diligently observe learn by experience incantation snake etc all of which may be descriptive of the serpent soroid race which we have been referring to the original Nakash was not actually a quote snake as most people believe but actually an extremely intelligent cunning creature possessed with the ability to speak and reason it also stood upright as we've said as did many of its descendants the small saurian predators which ambled about on two legs many of these reptilian creatures retained their bipedal form while others mutated via natural selection adaptation and atrification into the other saurian species these infernally empowered beings who once roamed the surface of the planet and preyed on humanity were later forced to go underground and make their abode in the subterranean networks which honeycomb the subcrust of the earth from these nether regions they have for thousands of years been carrying out their ancient and secret warfare against God and the souls of men whom they hate intensely some years ago a lady by the name of Robin Collins wrote an article referring to this serpent race and its influence upon the human race throughout history Collins was of the opinion that as these creatures alleged the serpent race quote created man and planted him on this planet all indications however 
strongly point to the fact that this is just one of many propagandist lies which this infernal race propagates. If these alien deceivers can convince man that they created us, and therefore they are our, quote, creator gods, so to speak, then we will all be more likely to bow down and submit to these vermin in worshipful adoration. Such revelations and propaganda often come through trance mediums who claim to channel these alien beings. On a few occasions, these alien creatures have spewed forth such propaganda directly to abductees during UFO encounters. Now, since their race has long since lost any concept of righteousness or moral integrity, they will not think twice about using deception or whatever means at their disposal in order to advance their overall control of all things. Deception is, and has been for thousands of years, second nature to them. And therefore, any statement made by them should be considered in light of this fact. Although the alien physiognomy has been treated of extensively in my work and in that of other researchers, some readers might appreciate a comprehensive rundown on the subject. John H. Andrews in The Extraterrestrials and Their Reality provides a good thumbnail estimation of the gray aliens. The occupants of the UFOs, which we call flying saucers, are sometimes called EBEs, for extraterrestrial biological entities. They are normally three to five feet tall. Their slender bodies, extra-large heads, long arms, claw-like hands, and big eyes give them the appearance of being an oversized human fetus. These little people are usually seen wearing tight-fitting, metallic, one-piece suits to keep their body temperature from overheating. Each suit is completely one color, but different colored suits have been observed. Sometimes these suits are equipped with a breathing and or air conditioning apparatus. One abductee estimated the temperature of these beings' hands to be 115 degrees Fahrenheit. These little people are quick-moving and of lightweight like birds, yet are quite strong. This suggests they have a very high metabolic rate, and perhaps a limited lifespan of 15 years or less. Autopsy reports of some of these alien beings revealed some very frightening information. Their feet, genitalia, breasts, digestive tracts, lymphatic systems, vocal cords, earlobes, noses, mouths, teeth, lips, and eyelids all appear to be atrophied and partially or completely absent because of either evolutionary degeneration or because of gene damage suffered as a result of some sort of nuclear holocaust or a gene splicing experiment which went wrong. Their eyes appear to have no pupils or irises. Their hands most often have only four fingers with the little finger missing. Some hands are webbed 
They have a smooth reptilian skin, which has been observed to have various colors from tan, yellowish-green, pinkish-green to gray, but never plain green. They have a heart and a single lung. Their bodies hold a transparent liquid containing no red blood cells which could carry oxygen. Witnesses who claim they have been in one of the underground UFO bases describe having seen large containers with an amber liquid containing the body parts of human beings and cattle which had been mutilated. Some evidence suggests that the victims of these mutilations had their blood drained and body parts removed while they were still alive. This may have been done to preserve the effectiveness of the antibodies in the blood to protect the ETs from earthly microorganisms and viruses because their immune systems had long ago ceased to function. The body parts and blood from the victims in these containers were apparently being processed with hydrogen peroxide to produce a liquid food for the alien beings. To eat, they either soak their bodies in this liquid or rub it on their hands. The nutrients are absorbed through their skin and their waste products are expelled through their skin also. These little people seem to communicate with one another and with some unseen intelligence by mental telepathy. However, certain electronic devices have been seen on these people which could enhance this process. A pencil-like device which can emit light is often seen held by the beings to temporarily paralyze humans when it is turned on them. Whenever a group of the little saucer people are seen together, it has been noted that their heads and faces are identical, suggesting they might be clones. Sometimes their bodies have different proportions, conceivably by design, so that some of them would be better adapted for the particular jobs they will perform. Their brain is possibly 40% larger than that of humans. It contains an extra segment in the front of their heads in the location where mystics tell us our third eye is located. There are several functions which most humans cannot do, which the ETs have been seen to do. These functions could be attributed to the workings of this extra segment of their brains. They can levitate themselves and other objects. They are able to partially dematerialize themselves and other beings and objects so they can float through solid walls. Reports indicate that this power may be limited. Some ETs have been held captive within deep underground installations. Electromagnetic shielding around these cells could also have helped contain these people. They can bend light rays around themselves with their minds so as to render themselves invisible. The only thing in nature we can think of which can noticeably bend light rays is a giant mass like our sun. And even it doesn't do nearly as good a job as do the ETs. They can also send a light beam to some finite point in space and then retract it or extend it at will. Now, this special beam could be made for capturing and transporting abductees, both animals and people. 
They can also illuminate the inside of a totally enclosed structure through the solid walls. These small ET people only have a small aura around themselves when compared to the auras of human beings. This fact generates some interest, awe, and even respect in the ET community for human beings. In dealing with the ETs, we should exploit this fact as much as possible. Their minimal auras strongly suggest that they are only manufactured biological robots who have a soul and or spirit more like that of a lizard or other small animal. No wonder most of them have little compassion for humans. Only a very few of these creatures show any signs of having any great degree of intelligence over and above that required for accomplishing their assigned tasks. Many of them seem mean and irritable. Others are just plain malevolent and could be quite dangerous to humans. <laughs> That's the end of uh, that chapter. Wow. How would you like to meet one of those guys in person? Um, <laughs> you know, when you read stuff like that, and you keep an open mind, you start thinking about all kinds of bizarre things. And even though this was kind of stated in that chapter, I mean, let me just throw an idea out there. I mean, what if, indeed, when the dinosaurs went extinct, however that actually happened millions of years ago, not all of their descendants went extinct. Maybe the most advanced ones actually did hide underground, away from whatever destruction or conditions took out the dinosaurs. And those continued to evolve into more humanoid advanced beings over millions of years which would explain the larger brains perhaps and the ability to do extraordinary things and at some point thousands of years ago some other aliens came to this planet that looked more like you and I do they came here and they got a hold of some of the mammals, some of the ape-like creatures, played with their genetics to make humans in their image. Maybe as slaves, who knows what. And so here you have these humans that are again mammalian in nature, and they're told, uh, listen guys, there are also these creepy reptilian beings that live under the ground and they, they're sneaky, they mean you harm. Stay away from them. And then gradually, these little creepy reptilians come up and they start trying to interfere with humans. Kind of reminds you of the story from the Garden of Eden, doesn't it? When the serpent-like being is coming out there and tempting Eve and then when 
the aliens that sort of seeded us, the god or the gods, saw what was going on, uh, the gods became angry and punished those reptilians, banished them to go back underground. And throughout the course of human history, people who have come into contact with them, they talk about these creepy creatures they call demons that live under the ground in a place called hell. Um, <laughs> and that this battle has continued to ensue. Look, I'm not telling you that that's what I believe. I just see some very interesting parallels in, say, the biblical account of things and what I just read to you in this book. I would love to sit here and read this whole book to you, uh, and I'd love to tell you more about who Commander X is, but I can assure you that if I did that, if I spoiled this book on the air, my friend Tim would probably fly down here in a black helicopter and slit my throat. So, I don't want to spoil the book, but I've given you a taste of it. So, honestly, you'll just have to buy a copy yourself if you want to get the whole story. But obviously, I recommend this book, and I'm not making a dime off of it, so I'm just telling you that because it's a good read. If you want to get this book and a lot of other great books, I'm talking a lifetime of wonderful content, uh, go to conspiracyjournal.com. That's Tim's website, conspiracyjournal.com, and just click the link there at the top that says Bookshop, and you'll find this book called The Commander X Files, Updated identifying the real Commander X alien hunter. Um, gosh, so much stuff. In fact, you know, I do have a story in another book that Tim just published. This is a book, I've got it in my hands, another big, thick, comprehensive book. It's called Amityville and Beyond, The Lore of the Poltergeist and Other Petrifying Paranormal Phenomena. And uh, you may or may not know that I personally had an experience coming into contact with an interactive spirit at what some call the most haunted house in America, Myrtle's Plantation in Louisiana. And uh, I had a life-altering experience. And so I wrote an article about the night I spent alone in this haunted bedroom interacting with this thing. And that story is published among many other great stories by a variety of people in this other book, Amityville and Beyond. So you'll, f you'll find that one there also at the conspiracyjournal.com bookshop. Um, you know, I, f I found it interesting that that uh, chapter that I read, you also talked about auras and the auras of humans as opposed to aliens. And, of course, I'm talking about this energy field that we all have around us that you can measure with various types of equipment quite easily but to see it with your naked eyes is quite a different ball game and uh, you know I love getting my equipment and going to paranormal hotspots and taking measurements and I love getting great pictures and video but yeah when you see something with your naked eyes it's absolutely incredible and over the years, I have exercised my eyes in various ways to see 
if I can actually observe the aura. And uh, I mentioned something about this in a previous podcast. I think that anybody out there is capable of seeing the aura. And I'm talking about colors that surround people, plants, animals, your pets, whatever, that can be interpreted in different ways to tell you something about what you're looking at, about maybe what the person's thinking or feeling. And uh, over the years, I have used all kinds of different training devices to see if I could enhance my ability to see the aura. And I got mixed results. But I have been working over a year now to create the very first pair of training glasses that I call the Aura Eyes. This is my invention that will allow you to start seeing the aura day one guaranteed. It's a simple process, but it's an effective one. I personally, I think it's an ingenious one. And so um, I have a small batch of these. And uh, if you put these on, I think within minutes, you'll start seeing the first layers of the aura. And then from there, you will start reshaping and training your eyes. And you'll get to the point where you will have this skill, this ability. And when you can see the aura, I mean, you can tell all kinds of interesting things. You can see a change in someone's aura if they're being dishonest. Um, You can tell if somebody is lucky. You can tell if somebody might not be feeling very well. Um, I'll give you some examples. If you look at somebody and you see the color red, well, that means this person has a lot of physical energy, and that can sometimes be expressed as anger or it can just be expressed as strength. Uh, but it's a very dynamic person. If you see the color orange, well, orange is the color of a cozy, warm fire. And this is the color you usually see around somebody who has a lot of emotion and is a very warm, caring person. Uh, green is the color of persistent vegetation. And this person is a very persistent, sometimes stubborn individual. Um we have yellow, which is the color of the sun. It's literally like a sunny disposition. Think of like a cheerleader, a person who is fun-loving, but also can be perhaps at times a little too optimistic and naive. Uh, blue, now this is a, a person who has very, very deep emotion. Think of the deep blue of the ocean, and uh, which means this person can be very sincere and thoughtful, but might also be prone to depression. I mean, that's why we use the terminology, someone's feeling blue today. Um, and then you have purple, which is really a mystical color. Think of the color of a, of a wizard's or a sorcerer's robe. So if you see purple around somebody, that means this person is especially prone to have psychic abilities and ESP. And there are all these other things, like the, if you see a white aura, it's a person who is actually got uh, more of a spiritual essence, more of a divinity. Um, the aura you might see around an ascended master. Uh, you know, if, if it's a dark aura, that could mean that there's something dense around the person. Light is not passing through properly. The person may not be feeling well, or the person may have some bad motives, and they're trying to hide something. Um, I've always heard if you see silver twinklies around a person, then that could mean... Uh, well, if it, around a woman, that means that she is pregnant. Um, <clears throat> if you see uh, sort of gold sparkles around a person, then that means that the person is lucky. Uh, there are all these different things that you can interpret. 
And so, uh, if you decide to get a pair of my invention, the Aura Eyes goggles, while I still have them in stock, uh, you'll get the, the goggles that will immediately allow you to force your eyes to start training so that you can not only see this, but turn the ability on and off. Um, and I'm going to include a really special treat, a pendant for you to practice with that is a living terrarium. It literally has living moss and quartz crystals from the mountains of Asheville, North Carolina. That's my hometown, one of the most paranormal hotspots in the world. Uh, and you can use that as a training tool to look at because it puts off quite a pronounced aura. So if you're interested in that, and I hope you are, as long as I have them in stock, please go to my website, joshuapwarren.com. That's joshuapwarren.com. There is no period after the P. Um, also, speaking of Asheville, you know, I own the Asheville Mystery Museum. It's located in the historic Asheville Masonic Temple, which is just a big, tall, beautiful building with a theater and a huge dining room and all kinds of meeting spaces. And uh, it's just a wonderful place for events. And my museum is in the basement. And uh, recently, one of the board members said, you know, um, we really love the type of people who are interested in what you do and if any of your listeners ever want to do an event here of some kind workshop party wedding whatever uh, let them know that we will give them a good deal a, a really special bargain so if you're listening to this show and you're interested in producing some kind of an event in the Asheville area uh, please email me through my website joshuapwarren.com my email address is contact at joshuapwarren.com and I will, uh, I'll put you in touch with the right people. Um, oh, also, I, uh, I've been hinting at this really historic research project called the Mobius Mission, which is going to start this year. It's unprecedented. I think that for the first time ever, ever we, we may actually get scientifically valid evidence, I'm talking proof finally, of the existence of ghosts. Maybe UFOs of an exotic nature as well, but certainly ghosts. I'm not exactly ready to give you all the details on that, but in a future podcast, I will be telling you finally all the details about the, the Mobius mission and how you can get involved with it. It's really exciting, groundbreaking stuff. So be sure to always stay uh, subscribed. Sign up for my free e-newsletter at joshuapwarren.com. You can also find uh, other podcasts if you go to speakingofstrange.com. Speaking of Strange is the main radio show I created I now am the executive producer and owner of the show. It's hosted by my good friend Vance Pollock. But you'll find podcasts of the regular show and these special Speaking of Strange reports, like the one you've been listening to here with me, which are very simple, just me sitting here talking wherever I happen to be in the field once in a while. You'll find those podcasts posted at speakingofstrange.com. Just go to speakingofstrange.com and click the link to podcast. I'm happy to uh, entertain your thoughts on this bizarre and some would even say 
troubling edition of the podcast, but uh, it's fascinating to get a detailed look at what things may be out there and makes you wonder, would you want to come into contact with one of these beings? Would you take that risk just to see one of these in person? Gosh, I'm I'm still a little bit undecided, but I think I would. All right, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, may the Force be with you.